Welcome to episode two. In this episode, Route Hog tells John about an eccentric rich man named Randall Wolf, and how Mr. Wolf courts a young woman named Mary Rose. And later on, Mary stops by Wolf's new house, but she makes a terrible discovery. In one's time, you'll meet John Spellman. No lie. I hiked along Sheffer Creek just this morning. John's friend, Council Register. Mary's parents was definitely dead. And Route Hog. One of the ladies that particularly liked Mr. Wolf was an 18-year-old gal named Mary Rose. Route Hog promised to tell me the whole story about that old abandoned house that the council had told him about. Routhog said, okay, you asked for it. Here's the story. Once time, over 120 years ago, 127 years ago, Council said, he figured it had to be three months over 120 years, actually. A fella, a long time ago, let's leave it there, a fella named Randall Wolf moved into that big house. He'd had it built for him by a crew he brought in from Maryland for the job, paid him with money that he said he earned in the European trade, had a big house built out here in the woods, a good half hour's walk north of that little bitty town that used to be down on Sheffer Creek. Folks hereabout thought Randall Wolf was a pretty odd bird, because nobody lived up this area then except the natives, and, and this area here came to be called Devil's Deep Woods, and everybody thought nobody ought to be spending time in here. But Wolf, he didn't care. He was his own man, acted different from other folks, thought different, talked different from other folks too, said his way of talking had been changed by his time in Europe, and even his clothes was different. Most of the men around here worked for a living, and they wore clothes for doing it. But Wolf, he wore shiny black Sunday go-to-meeting pants, sometimes with a dark stripe down the side. Almost always wore a white shirt, sometimes a little string tie, and sometimes one of those frock coats with the tails hanging down. And his boots was like party shoes, cleaned and shined, high black leather that come most of the way up to his knees. Even the man's hair was different, wore it greased back in what he said was the French style. Now, when he first come into the area, people had tried to be friendly. Uh, howdy, stranger, what's your name? Wolf, he said. First name? No, last most people call me Mr. Wolf. Well, the men around here didn't like him much. Neither did some of the women. But I gotta tell you, some of the women liked Randall Wolf a lot. And one of the ladies that particularly liked him was an 18-year-old named Mary, Mary Rose. Now, Mary was a fortunate gal. She was attractive. A lot of folks said she was beautiful. She was high-spirited, smart, and she liked a good laugh. 
She had four brothers, all older than her, who adored her and took care of her and wished her always the best. And her parents were kind, well-regarded, and wealthy. Now Mary, she was in her prime court in years, so her parents' front porch was a busy place most evenings. As young men came to call, it was old-fashioned courting. Don't you know, John? A, a young man and an occasional older widower who had admired Mary at a polite distance would knock on the door, usually before supper. Mary's father almost always answered it, and the fellow would ask his permission to come visit with his daughter. And if that man or his reputation was known to Mary's daddy, he would give his permission. And a few days later, the fellow would be allowed to sit out on the front porch in the evening after supper and talk with Mary and her papa. And if that went well, the guy might be invited inside the next time or the time after that and meet Mary's mother. But if it didn't go too well, well, one or two of Mary's brothers would arrange to meet with the fella and politely indicate that it would probably be best if he did not return on similar business in the future. But if things continued to go well, a suitor could probably probably after five or six visits, be allowed to sit with Mary alone on the front porch if the door to the house and at least one window to the parlor were left open. Now three or four suitors had reached that special place on the most highly thought of front porch in the county when everything was boggled by the mysteriously sudden and violent death of both Mary's parents. Their shattered bodies were found in the splintered remains of their Surrey on the boulders in Sheffer Creek Gorge. No lie, I said to Routhog. Sheffer Creek? I hiked along there this morning. Yeah, that's right, Smellman. You would have gone that way, right? That's the way you came. So Mary's parents were, as counsel would say, very dead. And although some spark of happiness left Mary after her parents' demise, her spirits could not be altogether squashed, and her life bubbled on. Though courting had now become much more serious and less frequent, as she'd had to take over the running of the house, while her brothers took over the family business. The suitors continued to stop at the house and ask permission, now from Mary's oldest brother, to come by and court the girl who was still the biggest catch in the pond. It had been shortly before her parents' deaths that Mary had met Mr. Wolf. Who knows what drew her to him, even more after her mommy and daddy were gone. Maybe it was his age. He, he was, most people guessed, over 30, nearing 40 even. And Mary saw in him maybe a, a bit of a father. Or maybe it was because Wolf was so in-your-face different and Mary just wanted some change from what life had dumped in her lap. At any rate, more and more, as the months went on, Mary felt bit by bit in love with Randall Wolf. She favored his hair and his accent, and she loved that he did not smell of sawdust or manure like so many of the local boys. And he recited poetry to her, 
He talked of grand thoughts and beautiful people and places, and sometimes spoke to her in what he said was French, and in what she felt was the language of love. And though he had barely passed her family's reputation test and had been allowed to come courting in the first place, only because Mary's fair-minded father had believed that Wolf should not be punished just for being smarmy, obnoxious, and wealthy. So Mary came to enjoy Randall Wolf's touch and later his caress as well. But increasingly, Mary's brothers did not fancy Wolf at all and allowed him to continue coming to the house only to honor the memory of their daddy. And they never left Mary alone with Wolf. Most often, two of them were present when Wolf came to call. But Wolf still managed to steal quick moments to touch Mary and to kiss her. Moments she was surprised to find were even more thrilling because they were stolen and frowned upon. And Mary even came to enjoy holding Wolf's hand in ways obvious enough for her brothers to see, but innocently enough that they could not openly complain. And she agreed to Wolf's entreaties that she come visit him in his house in the woods up there north of town. And she asked her brothers for permission to do so, though she knew that she'd be angry and frustrated when they refused. They did, and she was. And then Mary began to call the man she loved Wolfie and Foxy and my master Fox and even my Foxy. And she took pleasure at her brother's little winces of disgust at the cute names. And then one time in front of Mary's two middle brothers and with her foreknowledge, Wolf said, Mary, I have so often come to your house and you have never come to mine. Won't you please come visit me next week? And then, before the brothers could even respond, he added to her delight and surprise, Mary, I have a very important question to ask you, and I very much hope that your answer will be yes. I'll ask that question when you visit my house. Oh, Wolfie, she began to reply before being cut off by her brother's declarations of no, never. She may not go into that forest, much less into your home. Well, in that case, said Wolf, I would like to return here, Mary, to ask you my question and to listen, breath held, for your prayed for yes. Oh, please come, said Mary quickly before her brothers could say a word. Please, come Sunday, 3 p.m. for tea and cookies. I'll be ready. Oh, so shall I be ready, Wolf said, and he kissed her hand, ready and armed with my query of affection. Oh, I knew it, thought Mary, I knew it. In three days, he's going to ask me to marry him right in front of my brothers, and right in front of them I shall say yes, and I will have my happiness. Now that night, Mary could sleep only in dribs and drabs, kept waking up short of breath, near panting, her mind filled with dreams she'd been having. 
dreams of playing house as a child, dreams of her mother trying to reach her across a smoke-filled room, dreams of her father trying to whisper some important message in her ear, and dreams of being touched in new and breathless ways by her wolfie, her fox, her mate. In the morning, Mary was up and out of bed early. Although she'd slept very little, she was filled with a high energy and spent the whole day cleaning the house and starting to plan the bacon for Wolf's upcoming visit. In late afternoon, with energy still to burn, she scrubbed again the kitchen and rewashed the windows in the parlor. And the next day, in another great burst of excitement, she made herself a new dress designed to make Wolf thankful that he had decided to propose marriage to her. And by Saturday, Mary had determined that that dress she'd made was not right for the occasion, and she made another dress, more revealing, less somber, somber in color and cut designed to show her figure at its best. And when that dress was done, there were at least three hours of daylight left, and Mary determined to use those last hours in gathering wildflowers for wolves. He had often spoken to her of how she would enjoy all the flowers that grew near his home, and how the beauty of those flowers and their simplicity reminded him of her. Oh, she thought, I will have my brother's house filled with wildflowers for my lover when he arrives tomorrow. And she set out into the woods to procure them. After some time of wandering in the forest, her apron totally filled with flowers and long, fragrant grasses, Mary's mind was filled with daydreams of her man, her fox, and with pictures of herself as Mrs. Wolf. And so preoccupied was the she, very preoccupied, she had wandered off the path in search of blossoms and now found herself in thick forest where nothing seemed familiar. But she kept walking, and just as she started to grow a little nervous, she again struck the path and started along it. But after ten more minutes, she felt lost again, sure that she had never been on this path before. Oh, perhaps she had turned north into Devil's Deep Woods and not south toward her own house. She had just determined that she was indeed going north and should turn around and head for home when she saw, ahead of her, under tall trees, a large two-story oakwood house. Oh, my goodness, she said to herself, that has to be Wolfie's house. It's oak, two stories, and there are those gables he has so beautifully described. And she started to hurry toward the house, but stopped suddenly. Remembering her brother's instructions, she was not to come to this house. But, she thought, she had not come. She had rather merely arrived. And soon it would be her house, too, and her fox would be her partner, and it would be improper not to be with him here. So, again, she stepped toward the big house. But her brothers, she thought, would nonetheless be upset. She did love them and respect their concern for her, no matter if misguided in this case. So she retreated again. But, 
she thought. Surely Wolf would welcome the chance to be alone with her, and certainly he was a gentleman in all respects. So she moved back toward the house. But, oh, of course he was a gentleman, of course, and, and that is why he would ask her to leave. So she turned once again towards home, and she thought, oh, yes, I'm Absolutely. Wolf was a gentleman, so it would be perfectly appropriate to go up to his door and knock and surprise him with a short visit and reminder about our engagement tomorrow. She now moved to the bottom of the stairs below the veranda. Ah, uh, she thought, but she had, she'd actually never been alone with a man before. It stopped her in her tracks. But she thought I would very much like to be alone with Wolf, and so she started up the steps. Oh, but he might think her too forward. She stepped back down onto the lawn. But, but that would be just fine if he thought her forward. He, he would surely respect a woman who took initiative, wouldn't he? Now she stood still one foot in the grass and the other on the bottom of the steps that went up to the large front door on the veranda of Wolf's massive oakwood house. Well, she thought, make up your mind. Do I go up these stairs or do I turn around and leave? Hey, John, John, said Routhog, this is definitely a long story, isn't it? You, you, you sure you want to hear it? 